Well, guys, before we start this episode, I got one question, and I need to ask the Whammy something. Yo! Hey, Whammy, is there any truth to the rumor that if you were offered the job of Speaker of the House, would you accept it? Yes, I'll run for Speaker of the House, and I will raise your taxes. <laughs> oh, Whammy, that's Boing. pathetic. Get out of here. I don't want to hear that. I want you raising my taxes. Who do you think you are, IRS? That's a wrestler, by the way. No, I thought it was... Mr. Black. Okay, I'm out of here. Okay. We are the most amateur podcast $2 can buy. A buck 98. Okay. Oh. You win the prize. See ya. Take the cake. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Punisher, control! Hey, before I change my mind! I give you Super Train. Episode 340, submission number 1386, Sorota's Court. Y'all been waiting for this one. Sorota's Court aired on NBC from December 1st, 1976 to April 13th, 1977 for 13 episodes, three of which went unaired. Or four episodes might have uh, not been aired. Depends on uh, where you're getting your info from. This is the city. It could be your city. Lucky for you, it's not. What a jungle. Yes, this city, like many others, is a victim of rising crime. Tell me, I live with bars on my windows while the crooks are out on the streets. I bought one of those Doberman dogs. They beat him up. And where does the average citizen find justice? Not here, buddy. Ooh, could we use Superman now? Ah, nobody cares. Nobody? What about the Honorable Matthew J. Sorota of Night Court? Oh, he's the one who's tough but fair. Oh, yeah, he's a nice man. Where is the best defense against the rising tide of crime? Where is a civil servant who is working overtime? Where is a man who gives the law his heartiest support? I'll tell you where Sorot has caught. Where is it that down and out and get an even break? Where is a place of government where no one's on the take? Where is a hall of justice of a very different sort? Okay, kids, I'm going to tell you a story. Once upon a time, there was a no-nonsense judge who blended common sense and humor. And he dealt with a clerk, a private attorney, a public defender, a district attorney, and a bailiff. So you're saying this wasn't Judge Gary Busey? No. You included the lawyers and all that, and you sort of disqualified Gary Busey. Okay. Yeah. Gary Busey has lawyers? What? What is this nonsense? Put justice! So yeah, we have a night court judge whose courtroom included an arrogant 
district attorney who considered himself a ladies' man, a more level-headed female public defender, an incredibly dense bailiff, and the endlessly colorful parade of characters whose cases the judge presided over. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, but that's seven years down the line. Or 47, if you're talking about reboots. Oh! Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why we put this on the schedule this week, because the revival of Night Court is coming. Yep, with Melissa Rauch as Harry Stone's daughter. Also a prominent jurist. Also, let's not bury the lead. Dan Fielding is back. John Larroquette. But I have a question. Does he still have his mojo? Well, you know, there's certain pills that are out there. Right, Frank Thomas? What the hell is that? That's eugenics. But that's Willem Dafoe. Not Frank Thomas, but whatever. Well, Frank Thomas pitches it is what I'm getting at. Oh, yeah. By the way, special shout out to Adam Nita for the uh, description of this program. Because true story, I saw this on his uh, Facebook page. Then I remembered, wait a minute, Night Court's coming back. Let's put this episode on with Night Court. Because this is actually one of the uh, most brilliant but canceled, apparently, court series ever to come out of the 70s. Who knew? Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Before we talk about the uh, episodes and the reviews, let's talk about the denizens of Sorota's court. We have, of course, the titular judge, Matthew J. Sorota, is played by Michael Constantine, who you would remember as a star turn as Gus Portokolos in My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Where else you would know uh, Michael Constantine from is he was the principal, Principal Seymour Kaufman, on Room 222. And he also played the sorcerer in the original Electro Woman and Dinah Girl, who also had another person from Room 222, Judy Stranges. And then we have court clerk Maureen O'Connor, with whom Sirota had an on-again, off-again affair, played by Cynthia Harris, who actually played Wallace Simpson in the movie Edward and Mrs. Simpson, which is a biographical drama about the real-life King Edward who abdicated the throne to a Mary and American. Again, the more things change. But aside from that, she played Sylvia Buckman in, like, three-quarters of the run of Mad About You. If I'm not mistaken, that was uh, Paul Reiser's character's mom. I never saw Mad About You, so I don't know. I didn't either. Then we have public defender Gail Goodman, played by Kathleen Miller, who is just... If you've ever seen the one clip from the uh, Tonight Show, she was just an absolutely sheepish public defender. She hasn't been in much, actually. This is like the longest she's ever been in something. Although she did play two different roles in two different episodes of Starsky and Hutch. Then we have... The assistant district attorney, the lecherous assistant district attorney, H.R. Bud Nugent, played by the one, the only, 
Brad Willard. Talking about Fernwood tonight. Talking about America tonight. Talking about, God, what hasn't Brad Willard been in? I think we can safely say future Hall of Famer. Definitely. And don't forget, he was in Wally. He was the president of the By and Large Corporation. Oh, yeah. He did not play a character or an animated character. That was actually his face in a video. Yes, it was. But hold on a second, if I can get it real quick, because I got it for Christmas. Oh, oh, this is interesting. The Criterion 4K release of Wally. Oh, nice. Nice. Oh, wow. And also, we did talk about Fred Willard last week. We're not going to repeat why we talked about Fred Willard last week. I won't say why, but Ernest Borgnine, can you say what he does best? I masturbate a lot. Oh, boy. And then we have as a private lawyer, Sawyer Dabney, who will take any and every case that comes across to him, Ted Ross, who you would probably remember as the lion in... The Wiz, which would actually be the next role he had after this was canceled. But yeah, we talked about him already. He played Sergeant Devin in previous installment, Magruder and Loud. He also played Bitterman in both Arthur movies. And rounding out the cast as bailiff John Belson is Owen Bush, who played Benson January in a seminal season four episode of Maverick. You might not know him from anything else specifically, but man, oh man, does he have a long resume. I don't want to call him that guy from that show, but he definitely qualifies essentially as a that guy from that show all the way up to 2000. He was in everything from Bonanza to Gunsmoke to Dynasty. He played a Justice of a Peace there. He's everywhere. That, I mean, that's uh, Without going through every role he ever had, he's been in a lot. He's done a lot. And together, they see a whole lot of colorful characters coming through Night Court. The kind of characters that you wouldn't see in the Daytime Court, because Daytime Court is for normies. Now that we know all of who's in Sirota's court, let's talk about the kind of cases that Matthew Sirota would see in his court. Starting with episode one, The Reporter. Judge Sirota picks a bad day to take frequent recesses so he can follow a football game. A reporter is in Sirota's court doing an article on the worst judges in America and the staff scramble when they find out. The worst judges of America. So they're all wondering who is the worst judge in America. And could that be me? Yes. And all this guy wanted to do was follow up football game. Now he's fighting for his reputation. Actually, we have a couple of known names on this episode. The first one is Victor Buono who played a role on this episode. He actually played the reporter. He played the reporter who was reporting on the 10 worst judges in America. We've talked about him already in two previous entries, 
Here's Boomer, where he played Dr. Frankenstein. That was his character's name. We checked. And Super Train, where he played a character named Misto. But he was also a regular on Future Entry, Man from Atlantis. Chico, he wasn't just in two shows that we previously covered. He was in a third. He was on Flying High on one episode. Ooh. But perhaps the most known name of the two known names on this episode, playing the role of J.V., Philip Michael Thomas. I believe he was uh, one of the people being seen in court, and if that is true, then he would probably be there to turn his life around, move to Miami, and join the Vice Squad as uh, Rico Tubbs. Hey, remember, Philip Michael Thomas was also in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Yep, Philip Michael Thomas was in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. He played Lance Vance. Not to be confused with Lance Bass. It's Lance Vance. Doing the research that we do from time to time around here, I stumbled upon a review of the first episode of Sorota's Court, and I'm going to read it right now. The second comedy hit aired by NBC last night And uh, what I mean by the second one, the first one would have been CPO Sharky, which really is a funny show, even though uh, it's on the list and we'll probably eventually cover it one day. Uh, So getting back to it, the second comedy hit aired by NBC TV last night, a gem called Sirota's Court, has even more potential to become a memorable TV comedy series. It was pure gas from opening credits to closing fade out in that it produced titters, chuckles, and outright belly laughs. Michael Constantine heads the cast, and it is a super one. He is the presiding judge of a night court, the lowest of the low, and he is most unorthodox. In fact, a journalist is in his courtroom, weighing his chances of being included in an article about the 10 worst judges in America. In addition to Constantine's perfect handling of his role, two other cast members came across like the proverbial gangbusters. There is a handsome, preening young assistant district attorney and an attractive, ever-trusting young woman who serves as the public defender. Even the minor characters are superbly cast, and if the show wins nothing else, its casting director has a solid claim for an Emmy Award in his particular category. The show also should pick up an award for characterization. Pretty high compliments there for the premiere episode. I have to wonder what people will say about subsequent episodes. But I guess we'll find out as we go along, shall we? Episode 2, Sorota's Car. A promising attorney is bound with marijuana in his possession and decides to act in his own defense. And you know what they say? A person who has himself as a lawyer has a fool for a client. Sorota has to decide how to proceed in a delicate case. One thing I want to add, uh, we said this episode is titled Sirota's Car. Uh And I know Chico focused on the marijuana part, uh, which actually is, I believe, uh, possessed by Bud Nugent, the character played by Fred Willard. That's like a B-plot to all this, because I think this is the A-plot. Judge Sirota's car is stolen. In a town full of crime, it was only a matter of time. And at night, and with those wackos that go to night court, yeah, 
so yeah, you had marijuana there and a stolen car. Hey, how about we go to episode three? All right, episode three, the election. All right, Greg, I hope you're listening. I think you're going to mark out on this one. Okay. Pitted against a candidate named Joe DiMaggio. (laughs) Okay, I want you to get out of your system. There you go. Hold on. Time out, time out. When Joe DiMaggio campaigned, did he campaign at Dinky Donuts? (laughs) Oh, jeez. That's a reference to the Seinfeld episode where Kramer thought he saw him at Dinky Donuts. He was getting something to go with his Mr. Coffee coffee maker. Coffee and donuts. So as I was saying, pitted against a candidate named Joe DiMaggio, Judge Sirota tries to ignore the election night happenings by turning to other diversions. What kind of diversions do you think they are? Well, let's see. This would have been... When would this have been? This would have been... Oh, this is December of 76. So it's way past baseball season. So he can't turn on a Yankees game. And well, maybe he has some sort of VCR and can watch old 50s games of the Yankees with Joe DiMaggio. I don't know. Wait, they would have a channel that aired all 50s games of the Yankees on TV? I said, I said videotapes. I, the videotapes were around in 1976. Why would videotapes of old 19... 19- Time out. Why would videotapes of old 1950s games of the Yankees exist? I'm just making an assumption here. I know they don't exist, but how will he fill his time? Maybe he'll watch the better Joe DiMaggio. I don't know. Maybe he's got Joe DiMaggio baseball cards and he's putting them in order or something. I don't know. I got an idea. Maybe he was looking forward to that night's Bicentennial Minute. Ha. It's December 76. It's still airing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it still has a week and a half left, yeah. Boy, now I wonder who did the Bicentennial Minute on December 22nd, 1976. Nobody? I got nothing coming to me. We might have said it in the first episode. Who knows? We might have. Oh, darn. I, I'm sorry. I did a search for it, and I can't find it. Aww. Oh, hold on a second. Speaking of baseball. This is CNN Breaking News. Do you know what I found just now while going on a YouTube rabbit hole? I can only imagine. All right. I stumbled onto that a couple weeks ago. Yes. Yep. Okay, Mike, can you describe what I just sent? He sent a link to uh, the Baseball Bunch, which is a future installment. And on it is somebody we mentioned last week, Dusty Baker. Oh, is anyone going to mention the chicken? I feel like somebody should mention the chicken. We've mentioned the chicken in the past in relation to the baseball bunch. Ted Giannoulis. We love Ted Giannoulis around here. And a little post-production side note, Greg, I found out supposedly who did the Bicentennial Minute on December 22nd, 1976. Aaron Copeland. Before we go on to the next episode, we have two names in this episode, and they are tied together, actually. And also, they both play dentists in this episode. One is Al Lohman, and the other is Roger Barkley. And Al Lohman and Roger Barkley 
were a comedy duo. And one place you may have heard of them, they did actually host a couple of game shows. They hosted uh, the show Name Droppers in 1969 and 1970, but also they hosted, and there's an episode of this out there, even though I think it only ran like two weeks or so, not very long, Bedtime Stories from 1979. They were also hosts of their own variety show, and they did Southern California Morning Drive Radio. And hold on, I got to add one more credit. This is for Roger Barkley. Just because I know how to make Greg react. Greg, you won't believe what Roger Barkley was on. Hold on. Let me take this a guess. Is, Hold on. Yeah. Well, and this is actually his last credits. This is his last credit. Was he on an episode of Wings? No, he wasn't. Greg, this might not be at the same level as Wings, but I think you're going to react in a similar manner, if you can believe that. He was the stadium announcer on the video Dorf on the Diamond. <laughs> Dorf on the Diamond. I didn't know there was a Tim Who knew Conway. Dorf could do more than golf. I didn't know this either. This is yeah, amazing. I, I can't believe Dorf does baseball too. Yeah, I thought Dorf just did golf. He does everything, apparently. Dorf on the diamond. <laughs> well, I knew I you'd got... love that, Greg. I... I, now I gotta see if this is on YouTube. Dorf on the diamond. Oh, no. Now you gotta see if this is on this YouTube. This could be a mini-sode in the making, friends. Yes, it is! It's on YouTube! This is gonna be a mini-sode <laughs> in the making, friends. No, this is 40 minutes! <laughs> this is like live this show. Is a li this, this is live show material. That's what that is. Oh, opening day, we're covering Torf on the Diamond as a live show. You're welcome. Oh my gosh, there's so many Dorf things on here. I'm taking a look. Oh my gosh. I, let me just give you some of these names really fast. I'm sorry to deviate, but this is too good. Dorf and the New Toga. <laughs> oh, jeez. I don't think I need to say anything else besides no, that. Dorf no, and the don't. New Toga. <laughs> I hope that's on YouTube. Oh my gosh. Dorf and I'm the looking right now. Okay, while you do that, I'm gonna go through some more of these. Dorf and the trial. <laughs> Dorf and the tea time. Dorf and the angry fan. Oh my gosh. I thought there were just Dorf on golf, I thought was it, but no, there's Dorf on everything. Unfortunately, oh, on. I cannot there... find Dorf in the new toga. Well, well hold on. There's actually Something, and this is his last credit. Chip and Bernie save Christmas with Dorf. <laughs> I don't even get that. So wait, hold on. Do Chip, Eston, and Bernie Sanders save Christmas with Dorf? I have no idea. Oh my gosh. This one, I think we may have to see if it's on YouTube. Dorf the Bingo King. Dorf the Bingo King? <laughs> Dorf the Bingo King. Not Dorf the Bingo King. Dorf the Bingo King. I want to see yeah. Dorf kick everyone's ass in bingo. Dorf goes fishing. Dorf goes auto racing. Oh my gosh. I'm looking at the Dorf goes auto racing. I, 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 I can't even say this. 
Uh, he has a first name in this uh, Dorf installment. You're going to hate this. Dusseldorf. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, Dorf's Golf Bible. Dorf in the first games of Mount Olympus. I remember that for some reason. I think that was a directed video, and I remember seeing ads for that back in the day. Then you got your Dorf on Golf. That's it. So, yeah, uh, Dorf the Bingo King is out there, and Dorf uh, at the uh, Mount Olympus Games or whatever it was. And Dorf in the New Toga. I'm sorry. That I, I, I... Why is this not out there, people? Come on. Somebody's got to have Dorf in the New Toga. Tim Conway knew a money-making machine when he knew it with Dorf. He knew he could make all these videotapes, and the money would keep rolling in. Everybody loves Dorf. Yeah, everybody loves Thor. Okay, now we're going to episode four. Okay. No, episode... hold on a second. Before we go to episode oh, no. four, I got a question oh, about no. Dwarf on the Diamond. Do you think that when they did a promo for this video, they had Fred McGriff say, this is the video that gets results? Somewhere Tom Amansky is smiling. Oh, my. Episode four. Court... Fear. Sorota learns that a mob hitman who he once jailed has been paroled and may want revenge. In court, Sorota tackles cases on dog napping, a potentially pornographic movie called A Mother's Goose, and the issue of gay marriage. Finally, the mob hitman arrives in court, leading to a showdown with Sorota. Playing the role of Lombardi, who I believe is the mob boss, William Bogert we've talked about on this podcast before. He was Mr. Brindle on Small Wonder. He also played the reporter in Greg's favorite Dave Chappelle show sketch. Which sketch is that? That would be the uh, Black Klansman sketch. Oh, the Clayton Pixby sketch. Yes. With the dad from War Games. With the dad from War Games, who also played the neighbor dad from uh, Small Wonder. Oh, I'm so glad Mike wasn't here when we referenced Clayton Bixby on this podcast. Do you know how hard it was to find a clip of the Clayton Bixby sketch that was actually usable that I couldn't bleep? I can imagine. Oh, hey, one other place that William Bogart showed up that I know we're going to talk about sooner or later. He was on an episode of Salvage One. Oh, that's terrific! We gotta talk about Salvage One one of these days. Maybe on a Star Trek day one year. Who knows? That was a Harv Bennett joint, so... That was a Harv Bennett joint. This was actually sort of a turning point for the show writ large because we went from, this is a really good show with a bunch of talented castmates and some spot-on writing... And then next thing you know, we have the first show that features gay marriage. All of a sudden, yeah, it's like, okay, we can't watch this show anymore. Mostly uh, heartline conservatives, but yeah. Many people at the time, and this is from Lost Media Wiki, many people at the time did not find same-sex marriage to be acceptable and thus began to boycott the show. 
as stated by producer Peter Engel. And by the way, it is that Peter Engel. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is the person who was behind Saved by the Bell. Episode 5, The Hooker. Madly in love with an English girl, he believes to be the daughter of an earl, Bud tries to persuade Judge Sorota to marry them, not realizing the girl is already known to the judge. Oh, that deserves a Susan. Uh-oh! Greg? Nothing? Uh oh. Hey, Greg. What? Greg, do an uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Yeah, the reason for that was I was muted because my mind was occupied on other things at the moment, which, if you know me personally, it's kind of understandable, but I'll explain them all in next week's episodes. Don't worry. Episode 6 The Judge. An overly eager policewoman on the vice squad arrests a judge whom she believes is trying to pick her up, and an assistant district attorney sees it as an opportunity to get some favorable headlines for himself. Episode 7, D-A-D-O-A. A vacancy in the district attorney's office sets Bud spinning as he fantasizes himself in the top spot. Because that's what all assistant DAs imagine. The big seat. Episode 8. Pilot. A new public defender is out to save the masses. Episode 9. And this was actually the last aired episode. The Split Up. A full moon brings all sorts of crazy cases into Sorota's courtroom. Maureen and Sorota find themselves at odds as the judge feels Maureen is taking him for granted. Playing the role of Jeff is Ted Chapman, who you would probably know as one of the stewards in Airplane or a policeman in Bananas. Playing the role of Barney is Corey Fisher, who was Captain Bandini in the movie version of M.A.S.H. Oh, the movie version of M.A.S.H., because we love to talk about the movie version of M.A.S.H., and we all know why. Because John Shuck said the F word in M.A.S.H. The first one. The first F word, that is. Yes, the first F word in all of cinema belongs to John Shuck in MASH. Or at least for a Hollywood production, let's say. Yes. It was also in 13 episodes of something called Sunshine, which I don't even know what that is about. It certainly isn't Mr. Sunshine with Matthew Perry. No, it's just Sunshine. And for some reason, it spawned a sequel. What? It spawned a sequel. It has Meg Foster and Brenda Vaccaro in it. And for some reason, music by John Denver. What? And then you get the four episodes that did not air on television, starting with The Alien, which would have aired on April 20th. Featuring Peter Elbling as Nicholas, who thinks he's an alien. Who, of course, he, you best know him as a morgue attendant in The Man with Two Brains. Episode 11, The Old Friend, 
which has nobody of any note. Episode 12 as Snake and the Old People. Again, nobody of note. And episode 13, The Vacation. I'm guessing Matthew takes a vacation. And hilarity ensues. And hilarity ensues. I'm going to speculate about those last four episodes. All right. Since we don't have any guest stars, is it possible maybe they wrote scripts for the episodes but never produced them? Perhaps. Because they had scripts for all 13 episodes. But the show was... And like he said, the show just faded away but wasn't officially cancelled. I guess the plan was to burn off the rest of the run but they never got around to it. Because I'm looking at the schedule and I think I found the cause of death for this one. Well, we already talked about one potential cause of death. Yeah. I will add there had to be guests on these last four episodes, which is why I think it may have been written but not produced, because this is such a guest-driven show. This is like Night Court. The people you have coming in as plaintiffs and defendants and whatnot, that's what made the show hilarious, talking about Night Court. So you've got to assume you'd think they'd have something similar on Sirota's Court. And then, because this show aired, if I'm not mistaken, Wednesday nights at 8.30. You know what else was on at that time? ABC was airing Beretta. I thought you were going to say that. And CBS was airing All in the Family. Oh. Oh, that'll do it. That'll do it. And it also aired at both 9 and 9.30. And when it was on at 9, it actually was stacked up with CPO Sharky. We talked about that earlier. A show we talked about not that long ago, which went over like a lead balloon, the McLean Stevenson show. And then at 9.30 was a sitcom with Danny Thomas called The Practice. I remember seeing the opening credits to The Practice. Yeah, basically it was a show about father and son doctors. Not The Practice that we may know and love from like 20 years ago. Cameron Mayheim's nowhere to be found on this. Or Dylan McDermott, for that matter. No, not even Lara Flynn Boyle. William Shatner. Is anybody going to mention William Shatner? Or James Speeder. But NBC, because this was NBC in the 70s, and Fred Silverman was trying damn near everything, if I'm not mistaken. Well, was he even there yet? I don't think so. It was like 1977, right? Yeah, so doesn't he get there? 77, 78. Yeah, 76, he would have still been at ABC at the time, I believe. Yeah, it would be at ABC. Yeah. But they tried working the block around in early 77. They added the life and times of Grizzly Adams on Wednesday nights, and that did not help the night at all, as Beloved as that show is, it just did not help the night out. How could Grizzly Adams not solve everything? It's Grizzly Adams, people! America, in 1977, what was wrong with you? So, where is Sirotis Court now? We have one episode available on Archive 
at the Paley Center, if you're ever in the area. Three scripts still exist from the ones that were produced as part of the Cornell University archive, but unfortunately the rest of the series is considered lost media. One of us needs to get on the horn with Peter Engel and find out where it is. Yes. And who knows? Maybe somebody finds all the episodes, maybe somebody posts all the episodes, and we revisit all the episodes. Who knows? Oh, that would be great. But the only clips to exist online are the opening music and a two-minute clip to promote the debut of the show from Carson. Yeah, this clip from Carson came from Michael Constantine when he was on The Tonight Show. Yep, this is from November 30th of 1976. Well, Constantine, you may well remember, uh, won an Emmy for his uh, portrayal of the uh, the principal in the television series Room 222, and he's the star of a new NBC series called Sirota's Court, which is at his premiere episode tomorrow night at 9 o'clock, which follows Don Rickles, who has his premiere tomorrow, and McLean Stevenson. Would you welcome Michael Constantine? Mike. I'm going to add, I think one of the people uh, that stood up there, I don't think, is Ed on the panel? I don't think that's Ed. I think I saw Pat McCormick there. So maybe Ed was out that night and Pat McCormick sat in for him. Perhaps. I mean, the the, the, uh, the videos kind of... Well, yeah, that, that's Rodney Dangerfield. That's not Ed. That's Rodney Dangerfield. Okay, next yeah. Yeah, that's definitely Rodney Dangerfield. Show which uh, debuts tomorrow night on NBC called Sirota's Court about some of the wacky things that go on during night court. I guess it'll speak for itself. Yeah, I guess. This is not exactly my big scene or anything like that. It just shows you some of the people on the show and some of the nuttiness. Okay, watch the monitors here in the studio, Bob. You want to... Uh... Uh, the court calls L.V. Tyrone. Your Honor, let's talk about taste for a second. What kind of person walks around in public like this? In a mismatched, totally uncoordinated, obviously off-the-rack outfit. It's, it's incredibly tacky. What's the charge? Because if it's creating an eyesore, I'm throwing the case out. One charge is, Your Honor, take your pick. We have disturbing the peace. We have vagrancy. We have loitering in a public place. And we have the biggie, procurement for purposes of prostitution, PPP. How do you plead, Mr. Tyrone? Your Honor, Your Honor, there has been a great deal of discussion about this man's appearance. But the color of his clothing is not why he is here. It is the color of his skin that has marked him a criminal. If Mr. Tyrone were a white man dressed like that, he would go unnoticed. <laughs> but Mr. Tyrone is black. And we've all been conditioned to believe that, that white is good and black is bad. White is clean, black is dirty. You're married in white, you're buried in black. Um, 
Did I hear a not guilty anywhere in there? Most certainly did, Your Honor. Good. Cases continued. Uh, what's the next open? Oh, Your Honor, we request an immediate trial. Tomorrow my client begins a religious retreat. God bless him. Is the arresting officer in court? Yes, right here, Your Honor. Do you have a report? Yes, Your Honor. The defendant was observed reconnoitering the uh, A-level of the bus terminal and also observed approaching uh, female arrivals in a suggestive manner. He was uh, overheard to uh, mutter such phrases as, LV is the best, be my baby, and 50 bucks a trick. Are there witnesses in court? Yes, Your Honor. That's him, but he only offered me 20. <laughs> That's a premise that could really work well because you have a gold mine of things to draw on. Oh. Every experience in life can... Tremendous. I should say that, that there are a couple of members of our cast. As I said, that was not what you'd call my big scene, but it gave you a chance to see some of the other people on the show. Um, one of the people you didn't see is an actor named Ted Ross who was in The Wiz in New York who got a Tony Award in The Wiz and who's, who's wonderful on the show, and Owen Bush, whom you only saw just a little bit. I saw Fred Willard, who used to be with the Ace Trucking Company, and Victor Buono. Yes, yes. Uh, sitting in there. So yeah. good luck with it. Thank you. Look forward to seeing it tomorrow, Thank Mike. You. you can definitely see a lot of Night Court there. Not necessarily 100% like Night Court, because they never went to an arresting officer in the gallery and said, you know, what, what report do you have, or are there any witnesses? No, it wasn't like that on Night Court, but you can still see parallels there. Yeah, you can definitely see parallels, and I've seen every episode of Night Court. I don't remember ever seeing an arresting officer. Well, I've seen every episode that A&E would allow to air, well, A&E and Laugh TV. So, But yeah, the blueprint was there for uh, Reinhold Wiege to uh, borrow from, shall we say? Uses inspiration. Uses inspiration. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. And, and it's not like this show is at all bad. It was nominated for a, both a Golden Globe for Best Performance by an actor in a television series, musical, and comedy, as well as an Emmy for Outstanding Art Direction or Scenic Design for a Comedy Series. So the show was not bad. It was just dealt a bad hand, I want to say. And... I don't think we've ever mentioned this. Can we go back to the theme song for a second? Well, we could talk about the theme song. Okay, because the theme song, once you get past the uh, opening narration, shall we say, that theme song, that's a swinging beat right there. That's a bop. That's a banger. I mentioned earlier the recap of the first episode, and it got glowing reviews. As you mentioned earlier, the gay marriage probably turned off a lot of people. And I do have some ratings here. Admittedly, one of them is for what would be reruns, because it comes from late April of 1977, after the final episode aired, apparently. In late January of 1977, uh, from January 24th to January 30th, it placed 46th out of 67 shows. So it was right on the cusp of being in the bottom third. So that's not necessarily a good sign. And late January, that probably would have been the episode 
after the gay marriage happened, possibly. Maybe even the episode where the gay marriage happened. So, yeah, it's not looking good at this point. And I should add that this week, January 24th to 30th, the ratings are unusually low. And there's a good reason for it. Why is that? That entire week, a little miniseries aired. Roots. The top seven spots in the ranking that week were Roots. First was the Sunday episode, second was the Friday, then Thursday, Tuesday, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. So it may have been going up against Roots in some capacity. It had to be going up against Roots in some capacity, because I'm sure Roots was either a two- or three-hour miniseries. So there might be a reason why it didn't have great ratings that week. You're not beating Roots. It was the top seven shows that week. You're not beating Roots. That was a historical television event. That's what I mean. You're not beating that. Never, never, ever are you beating Roots. That's the only week I have ratings for, but we can definitely see the slide if we take a look at the season-long ratings because there were 102 series in the 1976-77 season. Anybody want to take a guess where Sirota's Court was out of those 102 shows? 70. No, that was CPO Sharky. So that was on the same night on the same network, but that was CPO Sharky. Greg, want to take a guess? No clue. 98th. Oh, God. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. 98th out of 102 shows. Maybe now we know why it didn't last that long. Maybe it may have been the gay marriage. Maybe just viewers totally tuned out after Roots or something like that. But 98th out of 102. Well, that'll do it. The show that placed 98th out of 102. Yeah, that's not coming back. Not at all. In fact, it's a wonder that we found what we found for the extent of our research. So... Oh, I'm going to just throw out there for comparison's sake. McLean Stevenson, 81st. Oh, of course. So yeah, there's 17 shows that are higher than Sirota's Court. Even Holmes and Yo-Yo is 83rd. Well, we liked Holmes and Yo-Yo. I, I, I get like that, but... Yeah. But still, no bueno. No bueno. And if you're keeping score, that's two references to John Shuck in this episode. <laughs> Well, Greg, let's make it three. Starfleet regulations, that's outrageous. <laughs> oh, oh, Chuck, there's four. <laughs> hold on, hold on, guys. Later this week, we're going to answer that big question, Chico. Yes. What does God need with a starship? So, Sirota's Court, the blueprint was there for greatness. They followed the blueprint, but they were up against... Beretta and all in the family, and ultimately, it became just a thing on TV. But if they waited seven years, they would have better luck. Nine, if you don't count the first two seasons of Night Court. Yeah, once they can find a bailiff that lived. Yeah, and a uh, public defender who 
well, we'll stick around for more than a year. God, I miss Marky Post. Anyway! You know, it probably also wouldn't have hurt if they found a six-foot-eight bald bailiff. Mm-hmm. Greg? Well, you miss Marky Post, but I miss Charles Robinson. And there's one reason why I miss him so much. That's a penis! Are we pulling out all the stops today? All the, no, the no, we're not, we're not pulling out all the stops today. Hoot Wireless. Hoot Wireless. There! Now we're pulling all the stops today. <laughs> New Year, folks. New Year. New hey. Year, same nutty show. Yay! Anyway, you can find all of our nutty shows at itwasthingontv.com. Of course, all of our episodes, our mini-sodes, our live watches. And not only are we available on that site, but available on all podcasts platforms wherever fine podcasts can be streamed and i should add we're now on amazon music and audible remember like and subscribe rate and review five stars only because positive vibes only now still to come i have my briefcase here gentlemen and you know why i have my briefcase here because that's where you keep your pornography (sighs) no i do not keep my pornography in this briefcase I'm not telling you where I keep my pronouns. And why don't you? Okay, there you go. All right. That's the right answer. Anyway, I have a suitcase here. It's my money in the bank pick. We're going to talk about the things that I like on my birthday. And twins. All of that is coming up next time right here on It Was a Thing on TV. For Greg, for Mike, I'm Chico. Thanks for listening. Please be kind to each other, and we will see you for the next one. Wow! Hey, guys, there's one thing we didn't talk about regarding the opening of this episode. We talked about the music and uh, everything else. There's a short person in that opening credits, that opening scene. I wonder if it's Billy Barty. It looks like Billy Barty, but, you know, that could describe a lot of shorter people. I wonder if it's Billy Barty. I don't know. If that's him, guys, he's cementing his addition to the Hall of Fame. The little guy, the, the short person running around in the, the courtroom, in the in the hallways. Did he have a magician? And, uh, Nobody had a case. <laughs> True story. They stuffed him in a footlocker. 